Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So last Monday morning, I'm going for a jog, and I'm listening to this podcast about sports. And in the podcast, they're talking about many of the things that are going on in our world, in our, in our country right now. They were talking about the pandemic. They were talking about the protest over racial injustices. And the person being interviewed was a sports writer by the name of Howard Beck. And he said a line that really caught my attention. He said, we don't need to go back to normal. We need to reimagine normal. That really caught my attention. We need to reimagine normal. So today we're wrapping up this series called A New Normal. We've spent the last four weeks talking about what is God trying to do right now? Could God be using the situations that we're dealing with today? Can he use that to create a new normal? normal? And how can we emerge from these stressful times, not only as better humans, but as more committed and more faithful children of God? And if we allow God to define what normal is instead of our culture, then what could normal really look like? Well, first, a little background on our current state of normal. So about a hundred years before Jesus was born, there was a Roman philosopher named Lucretius, who wrote an epic poem called On the Nature of Things. Now, an epic poem is not epic because it's really awesome. It just means it's really long. In fact, when you translate it into English, this poem is over 300 pages long. Now, I'm going to summarize for you what this poem was about, or at least I'm going to summarize Google's summary on what this poem was about. In this poem, Lucretius basically says that life is about pleasure that the ultimate goal of every human life should be to seek pleasure. And as a result, we should avoid pain at all costs. We should avoid discomfort. We should avoid any kind of suffering. Anything that will keep us from seeking ultimate pleasure should be discarded. Now, here's what's interesting. You could write this poem today, and it would absolutely apply. You see, self-fulfillment is the focus of so many people today, possibly even you and I. If your job doesn't fulfill you, just quit and get a new one. If your marriage isn't fulfilling you, leave it and get a new one. If your life isn't fulfilling you, then buy a boat, have an affair, do something that's going to bring that kind of rush and excitement back to your life. Now, if self-fulfillment really is the highest goal of life, then you shouldn't criticize the choices that anyone else makes because they are simply seeking to find fulfillment. And if self-fulfillment is really the highest goal of life, then you need to discover who you truly are by looking within. You need to discover your true identity or who you think you really are. Now, hear me on this. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But when pleasure is your ultimate destination then destruction is in your path. Because in that moment, when pleasure is your ultimate goal, you have become your own God. About a hundred years later, there was a man named Jesus from Nazareth 
who began teaching that pleasure is not the ultimate goal of life, but renewal is God's ultimate goal for each of us. And as a result, we should not avoid suffering at all costs. We should endure suffering because God can use those experiences to renew us and to bless other people. And he taught that actually denial of self and denial of our own desires is actually the beginning to becoming one of his followers. These two visions are at war with each other today. And and if we're being honest, those of us as Christians must admit that we are really struggling with these two competing narratives. We struggle with this idea of seeking pleasure at all cost and with denying self and following Jesus. There was a book written by Gabe Lyons and David Kinnaman called Good Faith. I want to read a, a couple of sentences from that book to you that I find really challenging and fascinating. They said, part of the problem is that too many in the Christian community have bought into unbiblical notions about what it means to live a good life. So it doesn't look to outsiders like we're doing anything special. Rather than living as a counter-cultural community that bears witness to the coming kingdom of God, many of us go with the cultural flow, thoughtlessly consuming products, ideas, and aspirations streamed for us in an unending deluge of retweets and Facebook likes. It's so hard in this screen age to keep our attention focused on anything for very long, much less a way of life introduced to Middle Eastern peasants 2,000 years ago. You might could say we have become comfortable with normal. You know what normal is, right? It means conforming to a standard. It means usual typical, and expected. And the more comfortable we become with normal, the less committed we are to Jesus. And so we don't need to go back to normal. We need to reimagine normal. There's something that Paul wrote in a letter to the church at Rome that I believe is so powerful for us today. I want us to take some time to study through just two verses that he wrote that I believe will absolutely help us reimagine what normal should look like. It's a text found in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. Here's what Paul writes. He says, therefore, I urge you, I beg with you, I plead with you. It's like the wife who is begging for her husband not to leave. It's like the parents who are begging for their child to reconsider the choices that they're making. It's like the single parent who's behind on the rent and who's behind on the bills that is begging for the collectors to give them just a little bit more time. Paul says, I beg with you, I plead with you in in view of God's mercies. He doesn't resort to the judgment of God. He doesn't resort to fear. He actually resorts to the grace of God. He calls for us to think about what God has done in our life, the unconditional love that God has shown to you and I in view of God's mercies. Offer your bodies. It's interesting that he says, offer your bodies. You know, true commitment is not really seen in words. Don't tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. When he says offer your bodies, he's calling for us to give total commitment, to offer all of us, not just a part of us, not just a segment of us, not just a little bit of our time, not just a couple of hours a week, all of me, all of you, 
all the time. That's why he says offer your bodies, your whole selves, your entire beings. Offer that as a living sacrifice. You see, a living sacrifice, it means that it's voluntary, but it also means that it's daily. And you have to willingly lay down on the altar of sacrifice as a living sacrifice. Now, this goes against Lucretius' poem on the nature of things. His life goal was pleasure, not sacrifice. But here's something that you know. If it's worth it, then you really don't mind the sacrifice. And so Paul continues, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform. Remember when you were a child, did you play with Play-Doh? I love Play-Doh. It's fascinating. Now, I'm not very good at playing with Play-Doh. I I was never one of those that could make all of these amazing shapes out of Play-Doh. But what's so fascinating about Play-Doh is that whatever you want it to be, or for me, whatever you imagined it could be, it really was. And what's beautiful about Play-Doh is that in order to create any kind of shape, you simply need to press and form. And you press it and you roll it out and you squeeze it and you mush it and you use it with your hands and you can create anything that your imagination can come up with. That's the beauty of Play-Doh. When Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform, that word conform means don't be pressed. Don't be shaped by the culture of this world. You know, it's, it's a struggle, really, not to be conformed to this world because sometimes we don't even realize it. You see, it's so easy to conform. You don't have to do anything. It requires no effort. It requires no intentionality, no discipline. You just simply do what everyone else does. It's really easy to be normal. But maybe the current situation, maybe the current crises, has revealed some things to you and has caused you to rethink some things about normal. Some of us realize we don't want our marriages to be like everyone else. We want stronger marriages. Some of us realize we really can spend more time together as a family. Some of us uh, realize that all of the things that were keeping us so busy all of a sudden came to a screeching halt. Many of us had our eyes opened to the struggles and the outcries of some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who were calling out the injustices that are taking place in our world, that were calling out the prejudices that fill so many hearts. And I know for me and maybe for you, there have been things in my life that I have said, why do I do that? Why was I ever that busy? Why do things have to be this way? And I hope that you can hear God shouting above it all, above all the other distracting voices that God is saying, it doesn't have to be this way. That's not normal. And so we simply need to reimagine normal. And Paul is pleading with us through God to change the way we think. And so he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Andy Stanley says that change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. 
It's like when the doctor told you that you're going to have to change your eating and exercising habits because if you don't, the results could be disastrous. I think of Blockbuster. Do you remember Blockbuster? Man, it was so awesome to go to Blockbuster on a Friday night and pick out the movie that we were going to watch until Netflix. And then they would mail you the movie. You didn't even have to leave your home. And now you can simply stream it on your TV or on your device. Blockbuster refused to change. And the results were disastrous. For us, we can't go back to normal because it was destroying our faith. It was destroying our families. And it was definitely destroying our future. But changing the way you live requires you to change the way you think. Because if you think the way you used to think, then you will live the way that you used to live. And so in order to renew your mind, it means to restore your mind. Have you ever restored an old piece of furniture? You know that you can't just slap a new coat of paint on an old piece of furniture. You've got to sand it down. You've got to strip away all the old. Because if you don't, the new will not bond to that piece of furniture. And so you've got to take the work to strip it down to its base and then restore it. That's exactly what God is calling for us to do. He's calling for us to strip our thinking down to the way that God intended it to be. It's why every time you've tried to change before, it didn't work because you didn't renew your mind. You didn't change the way you think. Sincerity and commitment are not enough. They just simply don't cut it. Remember those New Year's resolutions that you had planned on keeping? You remember that exercise program at the beginning of the year that you were going to hold tight to? Sincerity and commitment just don't cut it. So let's reimagine normal. Let's allow God to restore to our minds normal, the way that He defines normal. Because if we can see the world as God sees the world, we will begin to do what God wants us to do. So, three quick points of application for you. Three ways that God is trying to redefine and reimagine normal for us. The first thing is simply this. See people as image bearers, not as objects. We're trained by our culture to see people as objects, to see people for their bodies, to see people for their abilities, to see people for their resources, even to see people for their skin colors. But that's not how God created us. God created us in his image. We all bear the image of God, and therefore we are all image bearers. And so when you look at an individual, don't see them for what's on the outside. Don't see them the way that culture wants you to see them. See them as an image bearer. And that's why every person should be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their vocation, regardless of whether they want to support the police or defund the police, regardless of who they are voting for in November, regardless of whether or not they believe we should have to wear masks in public, every image bearer should be treated with dignity and respect because we are image bearers, not objects. Number two, remember that busy does not equal better you don't have to live at such a fast pace of life. It's not normal. Are we overly busy because we don't want to slow down and think about who we are really becoming? And think of the damage that being so busy was causing to our faith, it was causing to our families, it was even causing to our own health. 
And if most of the things in your life were stripped away during the time of quarantine or sheltering in place, then anything you add back is strictly your choice. So choose carefully. Thirdly, live with the end in mind. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. When you learn to count your days, you can really learn to make your days count. I love how the New Century Version translates Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, Teach us how short our lives really are so that we can be wise. Life is short. So live with the end in mind. Because when you do, you'll live with more purpose. Every day will have meaning because every day is important. You'll live with more generosity. There's no need to hoard up all of this stuff. There's no need to be selfish with it. I should give it away. I should give generously because life is short. You'll live with more peace. Some of the things that used to get you anxious are just really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Life is short. Why spend it with so much anxiety? You'll live with more grace. We all make mistakes. None of us is perfect. One day we're all going to stand in front of our Creator. We're going to trust in the grace of Jesus. So live with more grace. Live with the end in mind. What's interesting is this is just simply a quick summary of the things that Jesus taught in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. You can read the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5 through 7. I'd encourage you to spend some time reading through his lesson, his sermon. Because in that text, he actually shows us what normal originally was intended to be. So don't rush back into what culture has defined as normal. Don't waste this opportunity that God has given you to hit the reset button on your life. Reimagine normal. But reimagine it the way that God created normal to be. Because when you do, what you'll find is that normal is not normal. You'll find that what God calls normal will blow your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for so many gifts. Thank you for bringing good out of tragedy. Thank you for showing us grace and giving us so many opportunities to press the reset button. Father, for any person that needs to give their life to you, I pray that they would take that next step in their faith, that they would make a call, reach out to someone to find out how to become a Christian, to to find out how to become a follower of Jesus. Father, for those of us who are struggling with these competing narratives of pleasure versus sacrifice, God, help us to see that the way you've created us is truly the greatest way to live. Father, give us the courage, the conviction to live what you call normal, not what our world calls normal. Thank you for this opportunity to reset and to reimagine a new normal. We pray all these things in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.